This podcast is made possible by Workday and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Dell Clark, CFO of Inspirage, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 380. sort of main areas for me to focus on. One is very strategic, the other one's a bit more operational, the third one's a bit more tactical. Uh, the strategic part of the role is uh, really kind of being an important part of sort of the strategic thinking process within the company and then use that information to build out sort of the models, the financial view of the business on a long-term basis as we start to think about fundraising and capital needs uh, to have that solid foundation in terms of the long-term view of the company and whatever different levels is really critical. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. After 25 years of diligent finance career building, Naring Goyle has entered the CFO office at Effasoft, and he leaves little doubt that he's prepared for what lies ahead. Our interview with Naring begins after these words from our sponsor. Just as a house needs a good foundation, your business needs a solid technology foundation. At Workday, a different approach to finance technology is giving growing mid-size organizations a distinct advantage. Workday's flexible architecture means that when business conditions change, finance can easily make changes to business processes. To learn more about how a finance system from Workday supports mid-size organizations from the ground up, visit us at Workday.com. Workday, built for the future. assignments for six months to a year in different groups, 
So I got to experience, you know, initially in the accounting group, went, went into corporate financial planning uh, organization, worked in the treasury group. Uh, and also as part of this whole experience, they, you know, I had a couple of international assignments that were given to me. They uh, attached me to sales and marketing group, manufacturing operations. And I think that was such a great foundational finance role that I could have done. I think, you know, I, I would really kind of recommend for people that may be starting their career in finance to find those opportunities to kind of go cross-functionally, get to understand different business groups, potentially do something internationally, because it just really provides you a very different perspective on the role that you have. So I think that was really, really a great experience, but early in my career. The second one is with a company called VMware more recently for me, and VMware is a leading provider of uh, uh, virtualization software. So VMware, very different from NCR. NCR was a 100-plus-year-old company. VMware, I believe, did a billion dollar in revenue in the first seven or eight years of its existence, so maybe close to 10. So very different experience, very high growth environment, uh, but a very exciting place as well. And I think the big difference for me from a learning perspective at VMware was to get to understand the uh, entrepreneurial side of things. Because VMware at heart was, we used to call it a billion dollar startup because um, the company operated very uh, somewhat informally, but at the same time uh, had you know really encouraged people to think through on new product ideas, uh, had a mechanism to put them go to market, and um, and that just was a great great experience. And for a finance organization, we had just gone public at that point. We were growing at eighty percent, going a billion dollar in revenue. We were hiring I think like six hundred people. Left. A quarter, so really very, very different challenges for the finance organization, especially as a public company. Um, and I think the thing for for me, from a learning perspective, was again to to kind of have that entrepreneurial side of things always in the front of your mind. And and as you as I kind of moved after that into some startup companies, I think both those roles were very. Um, important for me in the sense of really kind of getting a strong foundation in finance fundamentals as well as thinking a bit more from an entrepreneurial point of view. Uh, and I think because I'm coming into office off, that's, uh, I just joined the company only six weeks ago, but, but I hope uh, both those uh, experiences are going to be valuable for me. I, I want to point out, uh, you were at NCR for nine years. And likewise, uh, VMware, which you also mentioned, you were there six years. You know, you, you invested a good part of your, your career with both these companies. Absolutely. Yeah. And meanwhile, there were a number of other positions, senior finance positions that you held with a, a number of other firms. You know, combined uh, 25 years of steadily building your career. Just love to underscore that investment, that wealth of experience that must have been garnered along the way. And then you arrive in the CFO office at Episoft. And so what is the role you want to create for yourself? Sure, Rian. I think uh, that's, that's really good observations. I mean, I think the main thing for me is coming into a role like this is to sort of, I tend to think of these in three sort of main areas for me to focus on. One is very strategic. The other one's a bit more operational. The third one's a bit more tactical. Uh, the strategic part of the role is uh, really kind of being 
an important part of sort of the strategic thinking process within the company. In fact, uh, you know, help encourage those strategic sessions within the company, orchestrate them, create the environment for us to be able to have those dialogues, and then use that information to build out sort of the model, the financial view of the business on a long-term basis. Uh, what I tend to do is create like a, a scenario in terms of, uh, you know, uh, best case, most likely worst case scenarios. And that really helps you understand both the business side of things, but just the levers you have in terms of uh, what needs to get done within the company. And then, you know, it's really important to get a lot of input when you do these things. So kind of having that, uh, uh, kind of close relationships with the functional leaders, really kind of encourage them to think in, in terms of analytical terms as well as metrics-driven terms, and bring those into those models is, is kind of one big area for me to focus on. And I think it's important when you, especially as a startup, as we start to think about fundraising and capital needs, uh, to have that solid foundation in terms of a long-term view of the company and what, what are the different levels is really critical. The second part is tactical, but also very important, which is to make sure we're getting our financials in time, we're doing, you know, all, we're compliant and all the statutory legal reporting requirements within the company, uh, and making sure that we are audit ready, for example. So. Uh, very important, and I think for that one, you really have to make sure that the processes are in place, the tools that the team needs are, are there, and just uh, you have to think globally as well in this case because uh, you know a lot of your inter international subsidiaries and stuff like that, you have to again make sure that you're being compliant with the local regulations. I think the operational side is the one which I feel is one that you sort of really operating more as a COO in some ways, and that is uh, working with the functional teams as well as the business uh, uh, in overall terms to to really think, again, kind of have those dialogues about metric-driven organization, identify what are those key metrics for each organization, and put sort of processes in place to be able to get there. So I think even in my earlier jobs, I've tended to think in those terms, and I think coming into the CFO role, I think the strategic element becomes a bit more important than perhaps the other two, but again, I think that maybe you're sort of shifting a percentage more to a strategic than the other two at, uh, as coming in as a CFO, but I think if you think in those terms, it really helps you kind of prioritize and make sure that you're not kind of gravitating towards one thing more than the others. I wanted to ask if you would mind uh, looking back once more for us and was there a particular chapter that you believe you may have in some way distinguished uh, sort of your strategy uh, mindset that helped to enhance uh, your future leadership potential in the minds of others? Yeah, I think, you know, just generally, you know, I'm, I'm very strong analytically, uh, you know, sort of very... <laughs> analytical mindset, and, um, and I, you know, for example, at VMware, um, I was actually driving a lot of the CFO material for their strategic uh, long-term planning discussions. We were doing the board decks, we were doing the investor relations stuff, and so on, so I was a fairly integral part of driving those, well, at least creating the, the sort of the financial side of things, and I think that's where a couple of my mentors started to get me say, you, you really have great ideas. 
And I think in uh, perhaps in meetings and in other forums, you need to start to share them a little bit more. So I was a bit more of a one-on-one person. <laughs> uh, so I would provide a lot of that feedback, uh, perhaps uh, at an individual level. And I think uh, that's the one area at VMware, especially during sort of the corporate SPNA role, where my team uh, and me were basically responsible for creating most of the material for what went out to the you know, the Wall Street, went to the board of directors. Uh, you know, we really had very strong understanding of the business. And I think it was sort of that comfort level of starting to share that information that um, um, kind of over a period of time, especially at VMware, really helped me to grow into sort of a leadership role, yeah. if that makes sense. Just to touch on your finance organization today, but what is it, that you see as characterizing the team that you would like to establish here? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, again, VMware is a great example of uh, sort of the finance team that we, you know, as part of the finance leadership team. And uh, it was such a cohesive team. We had, uh, you know, obviously different uh, groups within finance, including Treasury and uh, FP&A, as well as uh, accounting controllerships group. Uh, we had international finance people, and just the chemistry we had in terms of kind of understanding of each of each other's role and what was important for the company as well as for our roles was really kind of, I think, exemplary. And uh, I, I, I think just the overall experience we got at, at VMware as well as um, the proliferation of those people, I think I left the company, I guess, about six years ago now. And... Uh, and uh, a lot of those people are in leadership roles in the Silicon Valley as CFOs across the board. So just, uh, I think, you know, creating a culture where people are learning, where people are growing, where we have uh, opportunity for people to move into different uh, things, uh, as well as, uh, you know, for sort of a very respectful environment from a culture perspective, I think was a really strong mix of uh, uh, sort of the environment I would love to create at SSOft. So, so let's find out about Episoft and its offerings today, and what what, what distinguishes this these offerings? Tell us about it. Sure. So, Episoft, uh, we are a leading provider of smart document capture solutions. And to explain this a bit more, if you think of all the business documents that you know may be residing in any organization, especially large ones, there's hard copy documents, there's PDFs, there's images. And most of them are unstructured uh, and not really usable in their original form. So what we do is convert these into usable structured data. So several of our cases uh, are very relevant actually to the finance and accounting organizations. So a perfect example would be an accounts payable organization in any larger company. There's hundreds and thousands of invoices coming in in different forms, different formats. Uh, for payment, and these have to be entered into several backstream systems for processing. Uh, traditionally, this would have taken an army of people to, to get them uploaded uh, manually, with, which is, of course, prone to errors as well. And our technology effectively would uh, extract the information automatically and, and upload it into whatever system you're trying to uh, get, get uh, updated. So it's so a huge... Uh, you know, time and cost saving for, for any organization. And uh, in fact, actually, uh, we just released a new version of the product uh, uh, for Transact 4.5, and 
uh, accounting today, I believe, ran an article on it yesterday. So, you know, very relevant to the, to the finance and accounting community. We also have another offering called the Insight, which is, I think, sort of the future revenue potential for us as a company and very exciting. And what, what it does is takes the data that we are already kind of expecting from various sources, combines it with other sources of data that may reside within the company, and basically using a lot of machine learning algorithms uh, provides uh, analytical uh, information for the, for the organization. So industries like uh, Know Your Customer or GDPR, which is a European data protection requirement, it can go to you know thousands of documents and effectively extract out relevant information to make sure that you're being compliant. That's just an example of type of things it can do. So very exciting time for the company. We also just recently started offering our solution on on a SaaS basis, software as a service basis, and uh, I think that's again is very exciting, especially as we see more and more companies moving their traditional infrastructure into the cloud. So I imagine part of what you're taking on is the evolution of uh, this uh, company, this software company, to the SaaS model, to the subscription model. And I would think um, it's on-premise solutions over to the uh, to the cloud. That is correct. You're exactly right. So we've, uh, we've traditionally sold our software on a perpetual license basis. We also do subscription uh, um, Offerings, but yes, moving this into a more of a service offering on the cloud is, uh, of course, brings the, uh, so from a from a purely finance and accounting side of things, a little bit of a different uh, set of metrics and things for us to look at. So, and we're in the process of putting that those in place. And I would think that, uh, from what I understand, the SaaS model allows you to, <clears throat> as a finance executive, gives you more visibility into the customer experience because you're looking at such metrics as recurring revenue and you can immediately yep. sort of see that, the changes. That's right. I think there's two, two things that it does. It's, one is predictability because, you know, you're sort of seeing a more of a renewal-based model. Uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, you're very, very quick, uh, easy ways to really, and important things you have to really measure in these SaaS businesses to make sure that you're looking at the churn. And really understanding churn, meaning you know the, the customers you may leave, lose at the time of renewal, um, and just monitoring and managing that very very carefully because uh, the lifetime value of your revenue stream will be significantly different uh, for for a low churn company versus company that may be you know uh, not managing that properly. So yeah, we're putting processes in place to make sure that we do that. And uh, to the extent that you manage this right, the predictability, so the long-term predictability of the business becomes much more um, uh, easier in some ways. I imagine there might have been a chapter or two from your past where you dealt with the SaaS uh, model, uh, but was there something you felt you needed to do to augment your, your SaaS knowledge? Yeah, so, you know, VMware, um, again, being in corporate finance uh, organization, we did, I think, while I was there, close to 20-plus acquisitions, and uh, I would say probably four or five of those were SaaS-type companies as well. And while I was there, we were starting to move some of the offerings on a SaaS basis as well. So I was familiar with the model, but those, to be honest, were much smaller part of the business. Um, in one of my earlier startups, uh, we did have a SaaS offering as well, so that was a very quick uh, 
uh, way to learn about the business and an important way. Uh, and I think some of those metrics were already in place for us to look at. Uh, uh, so coming into FSOft, uh, I have, I would say, a reasonably good understanding of the SaaS model. Of course, there's always new things to learn, but uh, but I think we have a good handle on that and uh, we'll focus on the right things. We're sort of starting to prepare some stuff for our next board meeting and uh, as part of that, we'll be uh, starting to introduce a lot of the SaaS metrics so that we can monitor them on an ongoing basis. Now, Ian, we always like to ask for a finance strategic moment which is really a, a moment of insight that you've experienced along the way in your career uh, that's unique to finance. Given your lines of sight into the organization, you were able to either see an opportunity or a risk or something that perhaps needed to change. A anything come to mind? Yeah, I think this is actually a little bit, maybe not exactly what you, you're asking, but I thought it was a great moment from, again, learning for me, which was um, – at uh, VMware, again, um, I mentioned a very entrepreneurial company, and uh, I was supporting a couple of the largest business units within, uh, within the company. And as part of that, I was sort of, you know, going and talking to engineers and uh, the GMs of the organization. And one of the engineers uh, was somewhat low-key and shy, and uh, he sort of, came to my office and said, can I share some thoughts with, I have this great idea, I'm just not comfortable taking it to management at this point, but if you don't mind, I kind of put a business plan together and, and get your insight into it. So I think the point there was I, I really liked what he had uh, in terms of potentially coming up with an enhancement to our product, which could be monetized separately. He had done his homework in terms of what opportunity that you know we produced and uh, had some really really good uh, uh, sort of understanding of what what it would drive so I think that my role with him was to really uh, take his idea help him take his idea across the management chain and at that point VMware was close to four billion dollar company so there's a lot of uh, competing ideas at any point in time and so you have to do a bit of a show and tell to <laughs> To get your ideas pushed through, and um, and I think I I kind of helped him push those ideas. I helped him kind of you know we were rejected several times. I kind of did some back uh, back sort of background work and worked with the senior management teams to influence them, and we managed to get uh, get that. Uh, finally approved, and he was given, I think, like a small team of four or five engineers to work on that particular project. And uh, and the, I think the satisfying thing was that ended up becoming a very successful part of the offering and was generating, I, I believe, close to $100 million over a couple of years of time. So I think the point there was really it was a very satisfying moment where we pushed something that we really believed in. So just sort of the persistent, you know, being persistent about something you believe in is, is came through for me. And I think just kind of also helped me on this journey of uh, entrepreneurial mindset to, to think about things in terms of what opportunity has, ask the tough question. But if you once you believe in it, you sort of go and push and move ahead with it. We always like to uh, touch on. Noreen, uh, the talent economy, and I always use this anecdote that you see on social media sometimes where the CFO asks the CEO, what happens if we spend money training our people and they leave? And the CEO responds, what happens if we don't train them 
and they stay. Um, with that in mind, you know, I, I, I wonder what is your your mindset as a finance leader when it comes to the organization's workforce in terms of hiring and priorities. What uh, what's top of mind for you as a finance leader? I think uh, you know. You, I believe in hiring the best people, but once you have them on board, you really have to do all the right things to, to retain them. And I think part of that includes the environment you create, the training, the opportunities you provide for them. I think so. Uh, you know, my philosophy on this thing is get the best people on board. You, you, you know, work hard to retain them. Uh, and to the extent that you make mistakes, which will always happen, you are very quick in terms of making those decisions and moving on. So, uh, you know, effectively create an environment where you have, uh, you know, talented people within the organization that work hard to retain them. Uh, you know, the cost of losing a good salesperson or a good finance person is it, just a tremendous on the organization in terms of, you know, the time it takes to, you know, replace them, to get them up to speed. Uh, and you lose valuable time. So to the extent that you have a good team in place, you've got to put all the effort uh, to, to make sure you're providing an environment, including things like training, to, um, to retain them. Thought Leader listeners, finance leader Naring Goyal steps into the mentoring round with us and shares his priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. We now come to our mentoring round where I get to ask you several quick questions intended to inspire and mentor aspiring finance leaders and even your finance peers. What's exciting you about finance and business right now? I think, uh, you know, I've been in finance for a while. I've seen the evolution of where the finance leaders are really are much more strategic in their thought process. And I've seen, you know, I've evolved much more in that direction as well. And especially being in, you know, originally being in Silicon Valley area and in, in the high-tech field, I think the, the roles have evolved into, you know, uh, seat on the table, not not a back office function at all. You really are a driver of the business and the organization. And I think it's critical to be able to maintain that and uh, and kind of grow from here. So I think that's probably the biggest change that I've seen in terms of the role of finance over the last you know, 20 plus years. And I think it's a very exciting one. Turn back the clock for us and uh, let's go back maybe 15 years a younger version of yourself, what would you tell that person? Stay on the track? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think stay on the track for sure. I think that's really important. I think it is important in this new world to, I think sometimes the finance people are a little bit more reserved, uh, including myself. <laughs> and uh, I think it is important to kind of develop that skill set of uh, being visible and speaking up in meetings and putting your thoughts forward and driving things to conclusion. And uh, I think that's sort of uh, a little bit of what my learning has been. Uh, I would say 15 years ago, even though I was in senior roles, you know, you never stop learning, and I think that's a big learning for me. You, uh, and forgive me, you mentioned VMware as sort of this environment that allowed you to grow and perhaps demonstrate uh, more of your, your talents or skills. Is there some element about that environment that you experienced that um, other environment, you know, other companies could emulate, you believe? We did really put a lot of focus on hiring the best. Um, I mentioned the fact that we, you know, when I joined the company, we were growing 80% on a billion-dollar revenue. And to be honest, at this point, we have a lot of structure and processes in place, and we had just gone public. So, uh, you know, we did learn very quickly as an organization, as a company, uh, sort of the rigors of a, of a public company. And uh, what we did was really hire the best and those people on board, and point kind of really made the effort of creating a very kind of inclusive environment, the open source policy, so all of these things trickle down from the top as well, so I think for CFOs, we had a couple of them during, during our time, and I think CEO down, the culture, they bought in in terms of sort of, like I said, very inclusive open door. environment were key factors, I'm not sure there's like the one thing I can point to saying this is, this is what it was, I think it was multiple elements in terms of, you know, what the company had to offer and the, especially the finance organization had to offer um, that just just resonated with, with most people that were there. Now, do you have a personal habit that you believe has contributed to your professional success? Uh, I think it's mainly, you know, very traditional financial <laughs> Finance folks attributes um, um, uh, you know my attention to detail, the analytics skills. Uh, I am uh, you know I kind of drill down on information, but I'm also able to move uh, sort of you know a higher level as, as and when needed. But you know, just have to be able to do those things. I think to be successful. Um, and uh, over the years, I think those are skills that have been really really helpful. And I, I, like I mentioned, I think. Uh, my uh, NCR, early NCR training kind of really built those uh, for me for, for over the years. Mary, as you look forward the next 12 months, what are your priorities as a finance leader? So I think coming into Aftersoft, you know, the good news is that it's a solid company. There's huge opportunity for us. I think my my focus is going to be just the, sort of this kind of balance between the three areas I've mentioned earlier, the strategic, tactical, and uh, and operational, and there's, you know, things we need to do on all three. So, you know, in the process of building out a, a model, financial model, and kind of, I'm also driving some strategy sessions within the company to kind of be able to build out these, uh, these models for the company, and these will be critical for us in terms of our next round of uh, uh, fundraising activities. So that's uh, initial focus for me. 
Uh, in terms of sort of tactical side of things, we have quite a few things we have to do, including putting a more robust ERP system in place. So we're getting some of the things uh, in, uh, lined up for that. We're going to have uh, targeting to get a first audit done as a company. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of rigor that goes into making sure that we get a clean audit. So getting those things into place. And then the operational side, uh, we've been working cross-functionally with the management team to get sort of those key metrics identified, and then more importantly, put uh, measures in place, as well as uh, create an environment of being able to review and discuss those. So we've actually just started doing uh, uh, a weekly executive staff meeting that we're working on, and that didn't exist before. So just kind of getting a lot of those fundamentals in place. A lot of those things were in, in motion before, but uh, kind of just get coming in and making sure that those are uh, those are in place and uh, driving the business. Aaron Goyle, thank you for joining us. I'm CFO Paul Peter. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for listening, and don't forget, Thought Leader listeners, you can now go premium at cfothoughtleader.com.